It's the Tiltcast, episode 545, Fear in His Eyes. And this week, guys, we talk Warhammer 40k Darktide. I'm not scared. Cyberpunk 2077, uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and Redfall. Stay tuned. A big red. Woohoo. Woohoo. Ow. Ah. We're finally back. It is the Tiltcast. Woohoo! A slightly sunburnt one. It is. Uh, you slightly, dude. You're coming through like a lobster over there, dude. Holy crap! We're an M-rated show. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. I'm the stranger. Ah, Rusty. And together with the three of us, you get about thirty minutes of bullshit. Bullshit. Some games and news. It's still eighty degrees out here on you. May seventh at eight eleven p.m. nine eleven p.m. Canadian time. Ah, um, yes. Uh, we we are all three back. We we've had a we had a very busy last week, or at least I did. I feel like yes. I wasn't the only one that had a busy weekend, though. Rusty, you had a busy weekend as well. Oh yeah, you had a really shitty weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jason, I think you were actually I was boring. You just Jason could have monologued for an hour and a half. I I, I no, I couldn't have. I mean, I would have tried. There was some honesty there. I saw but, it. <laughs> but uh, I would have tried. To be honest, I didn't get to didn't get to play much that week. So uh, yeah, it, it would have been like an hour and a half of me describing all of our recent big purchases with the new truck, and now a camper. That's why you're. You know, that's why you're a lobster. Yes, that is why he's a lobster. Yep. yep. This weekend was the first test trip. Oh boy! So, what have you learned? Yeah, how'd it go? We went and parked it down by the river. Oh boy! But you didn't answer. What have you learned? I've learned that. Uh. 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 I'll, I'll say this because she can't hear me, that my wife should listen to me when I say we need to wait more than one week to turn around and do something like this. Uh, there's fear in his voice and in his eyes. Yes, you I know. can see it. Uh, we learned uh, we learned exactly what we but we did learn exactly what we need for the camper. I mean, it is. It is an older camper. We bought it used. We bought it at la- less than half of its original retail. Right. But there are um, some things that you needed to go through before it was camper ready. It basically, like we now know, you know, having it out and looking it over completely, um, what all seals we really kind of need to redo. It's not that they're completely busted, but you can definitely see weak, weak points. So like we need to dig that silicone out and redo it. Um, you know, running my, running my first, uh, dumping of the, of the poopins, <laughs> you know, cause that's the thing you gotta do with a travel trailer. When you're done, did it get stuck? Huh? Did it get stuck? Oh no! 
No, actually, it was extremely easy. Like, I feel like uh, all the first-timers out there who have a shit time of it, I watched one fucking YouTube video, and the shit just flowed exactly the way it was supposed to. It was beautiful. So, what you saying? I'm glad you got through with the pooping. I mean, oh, my God. I, at least I did end up like that scene uh, in the little known Robin Williams movie, RV, where he ends up having some improperly coupled hoses exploding on him and just ending up with shit shooting up into the air and landing right back down on top of him. Mm, yeah. So you watched RV as a... Uh, as, as a what not to do. As a documentary. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't, uh, I didn't go as far since it was such a short trip and um, refilling 50 pound um, uh, propane canisters is kind of an expensive affair. We didn't like run gas. So I still haven't tested the heater, but that's something I can do with it sitting in my driveway. You really, um, you really should uh, seal it up pretty quickly, especially in this weather. So my friend Vanessa um, lived in an RV, like an older RV, um, for a while, um, for about a year. And the one thing that she didn't realize is that in the little cracks, red wasps would get inside the RV with her, and she had to fight with wasps. Um, nice. So waking up in the middle of the morning and then like. Having wasps on the walls is the first thing you're waking up to, and having to try to fight with wasps in an enclosed space is not fun. Yeah, I've already confirmed there's none of that, but yes, our plan is over the next next two weeks, working the, working the camper in sections, um, trying not to overtax ourselves and do it all at once, just working the camper in sections, cleaning that up, pulling the silicone out, redoing it that sort of thing sounds uh Uh, sounds like uh you're like a very 1960s great american dad Mm -hmm. the only thing it could have been is uh that it could have been made it better is that it was an old style airstream i kind of want one of those it could be worse Winnebago. I, I could be turning into Chevy Chase. Oh my god! Oh, I love Chevy Chase. He's one of my favorite actors ever of all time. Yeah, but I don't need the things that happened to him in all those vacation movies happening to me. Some of the best monologues, like Fletch, one of my favorite movies of all time. Not a particularly great movie, just has a lot of freaking hilarious lines in it. Um, same thing with oh. the the uh, National Lampoon's. Christmas Vacation, which in my opinion is the Christmas movie, the the whole explosion that's always edited on TV that I intentionally have the DVD for because I want to hear it unedited. It's a glorious monologue at the end of that movie when he finds out it the is. check is not for the amount that he thinks it is. Um, all the slapstick that, humor that's in that show. Oh, God, I love Chevy Chase. That and Vegas Vacation were the best, too. Yeah, Vegas Vacation. If if National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is the king of Christmas movies, Vegas Vegas Vacation is probably like a six compared to that. 
Like it's decent, oh, yeah. but I've seen it like Agreed, twice, and but... it's also quite creepy in a couple of parts. But when his European... bro- when the brother is like checking out, like literally checking out his sister, is pretty fucked up. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, European Vacation was even creepier. Um, the original Vacation's okay. It's just of all of those movies, it's the one that's the most extremely dated. Oh, you mean the one where they're in Chicago and I think it's no, they're in St. Louis and then his tires they're blow Saint... and he's like, roll them up. <laughs> they yeah. hear gunshots after the tire blows and they just ride it on the rims. Yep. You haven't seen that in a wow. while. Wow. You know, and like the chick in the red in the red sports car pulls up beside and Oh, he always has a girly fantasizes about it. He just start he just starts watching her and almost wrecks the damn car. You know, yeah he he fantasizes about some blonde. I think in every single movie. Yep. Um. But anyways, yep. That's a random tangent, um, right? So you've been very random. You've been RVing, and uh, yeah. So basically, we spent like last week. Uh, well, the week before that, we spent actually looking for RVs. Looking for campers, um, and looking for one that didn't look like it was going to end up costing me an arm and a leg to fix, um, which is kind of hard around here. I mean, RVs get travel trailers, campers, and RVs get used pretty hard around here. Um, we have a lot of lakes, and a lot of them get parked for entire summers, you know, right? Um, and then or taken to deer camps in the winter, and that's even harder on them. Uh, yeah, I've only camped then, in uh, a camper like a few. T- when I was a little kid, my grandfather had a one of those ones that you load up in the back of a truck that sits. Oh yeah, I don't know if that's a thing anymore, but like yes, you raise it, it on is. jacks and then you back your truck into it, basically. Yes, and then it sits over the top of the bed and it and over the top of the truck. And as a kid, it was huge. And then I looked at one, like stood next to one in a Walmart parking lot, you know, no. in an old 70s truck, um, somewhat recently and realized how small that was. Yeah. Well, I mean, the vast majority of those are just put on an eight foot truck bed, right? Right. So it's basically big enough for a bed and some storage. That's well, it, it. Had a, it had a little bed that fits over the top of the cab of the truck. And then it had a bed where the bench was for the table, and it had a little, like, gas burner in it. And then I remember my grandpa put a JVC stereo in it, uh, a tape deck. (laughs) And when I was a kid, I'd go out into the – I'd ask him for the keys to turn on the truck, and I never, you know, took it out of park or anything. My grandpa trusts me way too much. But I'd turn turn the, the keys on to give it power, right, and then go in there and then sit in the bed of the truck in the camper in the heat and listen to music on that stereo because it was a cassette player um that is a deep, deep childhood memory yeah Damn. i have a very deep childhood memory of those things i had the uh, this i don't know if this is this is not part of the uh the fear of heights but it is a fear of shaky shit um i had to you know as a child get into one of those thing uh, those uh, those style campers while it was still on the stilts but there was no truck underneath it 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's scary as shit. And I mean, you know how fucking like shaky those things are in the truck bed, right? Right. Yeah. I'm not a small kid, but I end up getting in there and you have to like walk that middle line where this thing could have fallen over any moment. I had to go in there, grabs. I I even forget what the fuck I grabbed, but I grabbed something and I, you know, like backed out real fucking slow. The real question is how you got up in it. Uh, well, I was under supervision. I had a really wonderful childhood. (laughs) So I got, there was, there was a little ladder that would go up, you know, that, that was set up for me. I was the, I was the smallest kid there. Like, well, you have to realize. Was that a family? You had like a whole bunch of giants around you? But no, you, you have to realize that like when I was growing up and I was, this is like, between, oh, fuck, I was maybe like five, maybe. Oh. My parents, my parents hadn't graduated high school, so they weren't the smartest people in the world at that time. <laughs> Very fair. Oh my God. Yeah, right. I can see it. See? I can see it. But at the same time, they were still it, teenagers. <laughs> to, also, to to Rusty's, uh, you have the Rusty's youngest parents here, and you're the oldest man. Like his brothers are possibly the smallest people in the family. They are, um, but but yeah, I mean to you know, to clarify what I what I just said. Um, my my mom was 13 when she had me. My dad was 15. So when I was five. <laughs> They were still, you know, Seniors. she was still a teenager and he had just gotten, you know, ju- just gotten past the teenage years. And if you think back, like, I don't know if you're, you know, older like me, like if you think back to your fucking like late teens, early 20s, you've done, you did some stupid shit. <laughs> I did an incredible amount of stupid shit <laughs> as tell fairly recently. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. So, so you, you you think, okay, well, you as as a fucking like twenty year old is looking at this thing that's obviously fucking dangerous for you to do because you are big and heavy. You've got a small kid that could possibly go up there and may maybe not shake the boat a little bit too much. You, you send the kid up there. It was a different time. This was back when fucking we drank out of hoses and shit. So. Back in my day, <laughs> my God, I'm I'm the old man. I'm I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go turn to dust over here in the corner. Thanks for backing me up, guys. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I I mean, real realistically, I did not have. As crazy of a time during my college years as you guys did. <laughs> I, you know, I might have had the I, craziest I did do time. some stupid shit, but I mean, vodka and I, fruitopia. I I was I was married for half that time, and then divorced, and then dating again. So, you know, I, there wasn't a whole that, lot of like wild partying in my life. That reminds me, like I've been seeing a lot of those people again, somewhat recently. Not for the partying reasons, but just some of no. the people that I grew up with a lot more recently. It's been a trip. I was literally just talking about that shit this afternoon because 
part of the reason recording late, and I'll kind of go into what happened last week, but um, my friend that I've known since I was 17 years old, my friend, my other friend, Jason, um, invited a bunch of people over to his house very randomly. So Friday afternoon, I got a text. He's like, hey, what are you doing Sunday? I was like, well, I'm podcasting. He's like, what are you doing at three o'clock? I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. podcasting, maybe not. He's like, how don't you come over for dinner and some beers? Then he started to like mentioning all these people would be there. And I was like, that's a lot of people I haven't seen in a while. Okay. So I will say, so my friend's wife um, moved here from the Philippines a few years ago. And she still cooks like somebody that has lived in the Philippines. And she makes some fucking mean ass food. So today was a cheat day um, and a brew day. We had, um, she grilled pork belly. So I've never had grilled pork belly before. And she made homemade fried rice with these little mini egg rolls that she made that are inside of it. And let me say that is the best damn fried rice I've ever had in my entire life. I've never eaten her cooking before. And I didn't, you know, and then she told me where to find pork belly. But she took strips of pork belly and chopped it in like little fingers, basically, but threw it on the grill, right? So it's got like that crispiness from the grill, and then that bacony, melty, oh heaven of uh, pork belly in the middle. Oh my god, um, mm. it was it was otherworldly good, and it took her mm. just I a just little. I just ate, and you're making me hungry. I had three plates. I ate like a fat kid. Like it was Patty. so good. I was just, I was blown away um by this fried rice and pork belly. Like it was amazing. I was like, well, so when it's me and uh, my other friend's birthday, uh Jason, you, you and your your wife need to make some fried rice and bring it over <laughs> cuz that shit was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was amazing. The fried pork belly is great. The Fried rice just took the cake. Oh my god, so good! Oh, genuine homemade fried rice is the best, and genuinely like homemade fried rice with a recipe that's been passed down for many generations. She's like, "Yeah, I cooked it Filipino style." I was like, well, "Whatever that is," and then she showed me some spices I'd never oh, seen before. Um, she's like, "Yeah, there's a Filipino spice that we use that, and I can't remember what it's called, but whatever that was." Was the icing on the cake like it just mouthwateringly good? Like oh my god, I could just I could eat it all day. That's how good it is. It's just the best damn fried rice I've ever had in my life. Um, damn, there's there's no restaurant that makes it like that. Like holy shit, <laughs> holy shit! Like as soon as I tasted it, it's like it's got to be a cheat day. <laughs> Whew. Yeah. Hey, right. man. Okay, sorry. <laughs> you sound sound like you're fucking stuffed. I'm stuffed, and I had too much beer. Um, and I mm. really have been. We had some technical difficulties earlier before we got started. And I was just sitting here, like in my own little space, like thinking, I need this energy drink. I'm going to crack this can if we don't start. And then I just kind of tried to zone in and hone in on my inner zen before we got started so I could just like make it through to the crack so that I could get get started on this energy drink. Like seriously, this is going to be the biggest poop I've ever had in my entire life. 
Damn. <laughs> At least you're not dropping it in my RV then. <laughs> right. You're going to need a poop knife. Fucking. You're going to need a poop sword. No. For that, for that you could uh, you just move your foot back and press the pedal and just open it wide open and let it drop directly down the hole. Oh, that's just. That, okay. okay. All right. We're talking about thumbnails. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> My mind was going places. Knife needed. Um. Yeah. Also, last week we uh. Um. I had a really unfortunate um thing happen that I don't really want to go into, but I use that unfortunateness not nearly as bad as some of you guys, but it was just a big letdown. But I used that negative energy to start doing uh photography again over this last week and I had an opportunity to shoot my friend's band um, who plays in a sign band and he had like a welcome back party thing for him that he was doing in town because he's from here and then was launching into a tour and he said, you know, I'll give you all access to shoot um, my show. I was like, okay, what's that mean? He's like, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I was like, for starters, if I want to get some really good shots, I need to be on stage a little bit. Um, I was like, I'm going to wear all black. Uh, I'll hide so that, you know, I'm not taking any attention away from the band as you guys are performing. I was like, but to get drum shots, I can't do that from front and center. Um, I went early, tested all the lighting, metered everything, made sure that I was comfortable in that space. And then started trying to think of ideas of what I wanted to shoot when I got there early. And then I got back there about an hour before he opened the doors and then just kind of reset up uh, my settings for my camera. And had them turn down the lights, got, you know, set up and then did a bunch of tester shots with all the bands that were before him, got some really good shots of them. And then when they went on stage, like I was up on stage, sometimes crouched behind the other musicians some uh, to get drum shots and to get the, you know, the two guitars on either side. I was able to get up on stage. Like, I braced myself against the wall on the stage to try to get some creative angles and got like almost on the floor in front of the stage to get a bunch of crazy angles. And I talk, took a ridiculous amount of pictures because I was, you know, I was, I've always done photography as kind of like a semi pro hobby, uh, for a long time and then got out of it with, uh, a lot of life responsibilities. Even during this podcast, I hadn't been doing it a lot. I started a lot, a little bit last year and then got a mirrorless Sony um, and a couple of lenses to get started. And I really, really got into it um, last week when he gave me the opportunity. I was like, I need to take this really seriously, like really, really seriously. So I put on my pro hat like as best as I know how um, and walked away with like a 855 pictures that I had to sort through. Ow. And then I had to think to myself, it's like I've got a lot in there that are, I didn't post that I'm proud of. But I was like, you know. Here's what I'm going to do. And the way I'm going to treat it is I'm going to pick the 10 best shots from every band and send it to them. And then for my buddy's band, I sent him, I spent his entire concert taking shots as artistically as I could. I sent him 60, I took 100 shots of his band and I sent him 60 that I was proud of. And I posted 10. Um, But I sent him like, 60 shots and then I doubled all of that up with black and whites as well 
So I sent him a folder that's like, I think it's like four or five gigs because they're all at full resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and then watermark. But yeah, he kind of kicked me in the ass to creating a web, a web, like a Facebook page for it. There's a professional page. He kind of kicked me in the butt about putting a watermark on everything. And then he went to task promoting the hell out of me over the last week. Um, I was blown away like him and then every band that I took pictures of and sent, they all treated me just like he did, like all super nice. And, you know, these are like mid-sized bands, so like 10,000 followers, 20,000 followers, a lot more than my page that had zero followers before. Um, But yeah, they're, it's not like I'm going to have 10,000 followers overnight or anything like that, but just the overall visibility I'm getting through these guys that have been promoting me for helping them out with some free photos has been really gratifying and humbling and um, really fun to get back into my uh, photography side gig. Um, Because honestly, my only goal is just to get some cool stuff to put on my wall and hopefully some people use it with their art as well. And if there's ever a point where at some point I do it, you know, and make the same kind of money that I make with my current job, then I'd probably quit my current job and then do that full time, to be honest with you. Dude. You do some great work, like looking through, looking through your uh, online portfolio. I appreciate that. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, I've been, I've been teasing Jason a little bit. I I took some pictures at our D&D gig. Um, They're great. You just caught me mid sneeze with one. (laughs) Oh, that was intentional to show you. That's like the derpiest fucking face ever. No, I have a derpier uh, photo of you. Yeah, like it, I that was very on purpose. The uh, I just caught the right moment of you about to sneeze, and I was like, I can take that picture, and I can actually make it. Like if it was any other face, it would have been a good photo. Like everything's in focus. I've got you in the right. I'm using the rule of thirds on your face to make sure you're in the right spot. Like it's perfect. It's a perfect shot, technically, except that you're sneezing, and that's the part <laughs> that I think is hilarious. Um. But yeah, I got a, a few dumb pictures from that. Um, I also got a tattoo. Um, I saw that. It's, I uh, can see that. Oh, yeah, because I'm on camera. Right. Um, started my sleeve. I will give props to Eric over at Electric Eye here in the Tulsa area. Um, it's, uh, it's a camera lens. It's an aperture tied into that. And it's a sound wave of me saying, it's the tilt cast. Um, I did that on the program that we use to record um, called Studio One. It's actually what we use to record. And I took mm-hmm. the waveform from that, and then I took that same waveform, and I threw it in GIMP and wrapped it in a circle, and then I sent that to him. And then he used that as part of his design for the... Basically, what I've done is I've this is tied in with a whole bunch of other circles and lines that he used, and he's created some negative space for the part behind the sleeve, and well, we think we're going to do... Uh, some kind of like soundproofing design underneath this to tie everything together as we work into the other part of the sleeve. Is that a flash circuit that's on, you know, that's on there? There's, I know there's a, you know, a bit of circuitry on, you know, or, uh, uh, I don't know what that is. That's just Eric being artsy. That's, it's an electrical diagram of something that's, uh, uh, it looks like a, a switch or yeah. a, uh, open circuit. 
Oh, it might be. Like, I sent him a bunch of schematics um, to tie everything together. So, like, camera schematics mm-hmm. um, and microphone schematics to give him some inspiration for what. Like, I spent a long time trying to design this on my own, and I'm not artistic in that sense. Like, I, I don't understand line art. I don't understand that kind of composition. Um, and then I ran into him. He's like, no, that's my job. Uh, your job is to give me what you're looking for, and then my job is to put it all together make a thing out of it. I was like, oh, okay. So then I just sent him a bunch of stuff like, this is kind of what I'm looking for. And of course, it's like a surprise, just like my other tattoo is kind of a surprise. Kind of sent him the inspiration. And then I got there and he's like, all right, we're putting this on your leg. Let's see what it looks like. And then we went through a few attempts to line it up and get it right down the back midline of my leg. And then away we went. And I've got a bunch of Elven script on my leg because I'm a nerd, right? Well, I do a video right. game podcast. Um, other random thing. Um <laughs> One of my buddies, I'll just give a shout out to him, Matt, Dr. Matt. Um, if we have a, me and my buddy, my other buddy, Jason, have a friend named Matt that was in medical school when we met him way back in the early 2000s, um, who is now a psychiatrist here in town, who is also talking about the random stupid stuff we used to do way back in the day when he was in school and trying to be responsible. Um, but yeah, he mentioned, he's like, hey, I see you posting Tiltcast and I listen to episodes here and there. So if you listen to this one, Matt, it's a shout out to, to Dr. Matt. Awesome. Um, he just never comments on anything. He just, you know, he's a creeper. <laughs> Dr. Matt the Creeper. Jesus. Got it. <laughs> he's, a, he's a psychiatrist, right? But yeah, the, the you know, doing that all weekend is, uh, that's a really long-winded story. But that's, that's why I was, I was super busy. Uh, I spent an additional, like, 20 hours going through my photos and just sorting like the, the process for me is like making an A and a B folder and a trash folder. The trash folder is like, this will not work under any circumstance. The B folder is I see some potential, but it's not exactly what I was looking for. And the A folder is everything I want to keep. And then in the A folder, I sorted everything by band that I shot and then did the exact same thing again for each of those bands, even though it's in my A folder. And then after I went through all of that, then I go through and start editing it. And thankfully, um, one of the things I was intimidated by with modern cameras, um, my old camera, right? So I had a, a Nikon like film camera and your focal point on a film camera is in the middle of the viewfinder or the middle of the camera. That's where you're focusing because it's a natural focus, a manual focus. Mm -hmm. And then I got a Sony DSLR that had autofocus that was uh, four megapixels. This was back in the early 2000s. But it's in the middle of your screen. There is no zones. There is no moving your focus placement for the camera. And that was something that intimidated me about this. This thing has, like, some crazy features. You've got a zone at the screen you can focus on. You've got a point you can focus on. You've got, like, a section that you can focus on. And you've got a wide focus on it as well. And so you can take that and then turn on eye sensing on it. So it will autofocus to where the eyes are, wherever your focus sensor is on your screen. So I can take something in portrait, move the focus up to the top so that I can get a full body profile of somebody and then get their face in focus while their pro profile is not the center of attention, so to speak. Um, or you can move it even off center and get some crazy weird shots. So um, that is something really new and was intimidating to me beforehand. And now that I'm used to it, like it's... So well, before what you do is you take a really, you take a picture, but you'd be moved away and you crop in on where you want it to be. 
Mm-hmm. And so you would get your profile, but you crop around what you wanted to do. So now you don't have to do that. You literally, your shot is your crop. So I didn't have to crop hardly anything. Um, anyways, that's like overly, overly detailed. Right. Uh, it is a it passion requires... of mine. It's a passion. That's a, something I nerd out over a lot. Um, yeah. It just requires you to be at the right place at the right time. Because if you have the ability to crop in, you have a little bit of wiggle room on either side of your shot uh, to be able to, you know, to crop in. Whereas if you are focusing that hard, you have to be at the right place at the right time, you know, at the right angle. Well, and for any other photo nerds out there, I used a Prime 50, so, which means there is no zoom. I'm the zoom. Right. So it just has focus. So my focal range is between, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, 15 feet is pushing it. I can get a shot at 15 feet at the resolution I'm taking pictures at. But um, I was shooting anywhere from five to ten feet away at all times. Um, I did not which take any white, white, any wide angle shots, which meant I was on stage taking photos. Right, that's why you were the the stage ninja. Right, I was literally on stage on my back <laughs> taking some shots. <laughs> Damn, <clears throat> that was a that was Dang, a unique dude. and really fun, really fun experience though, and I hope I get more opportunities to do that. And I think there's another band I'll get an opportunity to do that with. Um, here in about a month and a half. So, Joe, equally take as hardcore as I am with this one. Um, let's see what happens. I ended up going to a show that I really wish I'd have brought my camera. There was no, um, no, uh, there would have been zero issues. I, I went to see I Hate God for other reasons that didn't pan out the way that I wanted it to. But I went to see... Um, they had no restrictions on camera and the stage, it was at this little bitty bar called like the rabbit hole here in town, which is kind of crazy to these band, this guy, these guys weren't huge a long time ago, but they're an older band at this point and they put on a killer show. And for most of the show, I was five feet away from them. Now I was out of it and not in a good state of mind, but if I'd had my camera there, I could have focused in no pun intended. Um, and distracted myself, um, which would have been really fun. Just, uh, yeah. But, dude, yeah. Rusty, <laughs> I went on tangents or anything interesting that you'd like to talk about. Oh, geez. Nothing near, nearly as awesome as that, though. Like, I have a, uh, have a deep respect for people who can actually do and create, um, because I cannot do or create. Uh, I'm just, I guess I'm just not that talented at that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I wish I could, like, I wish I, I wish I had your talent. I wish I had somebody else's talent, you know, to be able to, uh, to do and create shit, but I can appreciate what you do. But as far as for me, man, it's been, been a few weeks. Um, shit. What has happened in the last few weeks? Uh, yeah. So let's see. Oh, I went camping. Uh, <laughs> you I didn't. I didn't, uh, I didn't actually get sunburned. Well, uh, no, no, I didn't get sunburned because uh, the weather's been kind of shit up in the uh, up in the Northlands. <laughs> the Northlands. Um, the Northlands got snow like last week. <laughs> uh, snow in May. That's great. Um, but yeah, in the in the middle of all that, yeah, I uh, was able to go out camping. Uh, my parents have a, a seasonal lot, so it's like, you know, 
dropping the camper off at the lake for you know for a while uh you know for the whole season so i can go out there you know you know cook food you know, sit around a campfire drink beer a lot of stuff uh and it's it's a it's a nice escape from the uh from the you know technology work that i do you know most of the time but uh that was good for about one day uh there was one like 60 degree day then it you know then it snowed and it got real warm and then it's been raining for the past two or three days uh so it's been pretty shitty uh um let's see oh um i went disc golfing for the first time ever uh that was uh that was an experience um what they didn't tell me is that the disc golf course that they decided you know to go to was um damn near a mountain <laughs> so it was hiking up these freaking you know hiking up the side of this massive fucking hill um what i found out was it was the disc golf course is uh a um uh downhill ski resort in the winter time so so, you, that so sounds I'm, very physical i'm hiking up a freaking downhill ski slope essentially uh you know throwing a frisbee uh i'm sorry a disc it's not a frisbee people start you know yelling at me in this golf speak or whatever uh it was my first time like so i i went uh, had that experience there i didn't do too bad like i was only maybe um one off of par on most of the holes uh so that's i mean that's not bad for a beginner uh especially considering i was totally out of breath and i was you know <laughs> when i was trying to throw the damn uh trying to throw the damn disc i was also trying to catch my damn breath because i just hiked up a fucking side of a hill um we only did i think nine holes um which was fine because i mean we did it after work so it was starting to get dark and uh it was enough for me to go out and buy a set of discs so the next time that oh that we get to go out well we'll the difference is the waiting on them right huh the difference is the waiting on them and the size right it's not necessarily the weight as much as the um uh so the discs have a different contour on the underside uh you know the lip of the disc on the underside of it if you think of like a frisbee you know the part that's underneath right um that particular contour is different by disc uh and you can get them you you can get them in different uh they're all going to be a standard weight but they're all going to have a different you know distribution of that weight you know for that contour uh so they have properties that i did you know, i'm still learning about like speed and turn and fade and most of the discs will have them uh those numbers printed on there i'm not quite sure how they figure that shit out like i said i'm a newbie but this is basically like fucking frisbee pokemon now because you can it's get a all disc. engineering nerds man right you can get discs that have different numbers just like you know having a fucking golf bag you can have a bag full of fucking discs that 
you know, you you know you're gonna pick out your fucking like nine iron, or you know, or you're gonna pull uh, pull out your fucking, you know, you you gotta pull out this kind of putter instead of the other kind of putter. There's a slicer. You could get a fucking you know a disc that just has like crazy fucking turn on it. Uh, yeah, it's it it gets deeper and deeper as you go. I bought the forty dollar bog ass standard fucking three discs in a bag and like that's gonna be about all i need <laughs> um the the uh the things that i was looking for was is it leaf covered because up here the leaves ne never really go away um even in the summertime they basically barely get a, ch a chance to fucking decompose into dirt and compost so i couldn't find you know i couldn't have a disc that was brown in color otherwise i would never find it uh so i was looking for brightly colored uh discs and i was able to find a set that was like neon green uh pink and white <laughs> sounds believe interesting. me i'm i'm not super happy about the pink but at least that's the putter um the uh I squeaked a little. Um that was uh it's the pink squeaking. unexpected. Unexpected. Okay, yeah, but the uh the whole experience for uh for disc golf is actually you know it's it's was interesting enough for me to kind of invest a little bit into it. Uh and I like the idea of getting out uh and you know walking around. It's gonna get me a little bit more active. It's something I can do with the guys at work. Uh, so that's, you know, that's nice. It's better than me getting on a fucking boat because everybody else wants to fucking like float down rivers or go kayaking or fucking something like that. And me and water don't mix. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I'll, I'll do, I'll do the disc golf. That's, that's about, that's about that. The, uh, I can't remember if I fucking like, Talked about video games. Last time I talked about fucking video games on this show was damn near a month ago. Um, but I can tell you right now, um, it's been it's I've had a really weird like fucking you know the last month has been really fucking weird for me. Uh, I've been feeling fucking older and older as I go along. Because uh, I don't really get a, uh, a lot of chances to uh, to sit down and enjoy a video game anymore, um, and that's that's really concerning. Like I never thought this uh, that this day would actually fucking you know roll up on me. Um, sitting down and actually you know spending time playing video games is is uh well it's secondary to some of the shit that I've have to, you know that I've had to deal with and. It's concerning because it's what I like to do. That's my uh, it's my outlet. It's I used to you know drop fifty hours into a fucking video game in a week. Um, where did those time? Where did the time go? I didn't even have kids, <laughs> so I don't, how does this even fucking work for me? Um, but yeah, uh, the last game that I actually completed was God of War Ragnarok, and that's about it. Uh, everything else has been. You know, whenever I've got like 15 minutes to spare. Um, so 
a lot of Slay the Spire. Um, I did complete a run on Slay the Spire. That was that was a first for me. Um, nice. So that's that takes that takes having like a pretty golden run right there. Uh, well, more than even doing that, you, uh, me, and you actually put a media amount of time on uh, Dark Tide this weekend too. We we did actually get to uh, get a chance to play some Dark Tide. I, this is going to be this is the lull weekend. So this weekend was like the calm before the storm. Uh, so there's going to be shit that I've got to do, you know, next weekend. That being Mother's Day, it's also the Mushroom Festival around here. Uh, so there's flea markets and parades and freaking food vendors and it's it's I know it's a mushroom festival. Mushroom. You, you're just gonna have to fucking like deal with the fact that that is actually a thing. Okay, people have blueberry festivals. There's people who have fucking strawberry festivals. Some people have fucking like cheesecake festivals. My hometown likes has plants fungus. shaped like dicks. We have fungus. We have. We have things that grow out of fucking refuse that's shaped like a penis and is very meaty and tasty. It's good. And we, uh, we're, we're in, uh, where I'm at right now is basically like prime area for uh, morel mushrooms. And this particular time of year is perfect for morels. Um, if it gets a little warmer, they'd be popping up everywhere. Uh, so, and when they're like fucking sixty dollars a pound fresh, uh, oh, these are average. The, the weird, the ones, the weird, like webby looking tops. Yeah, they're normally brown, uh, uh, brown, raggedy looking fucking tops, kind of, uh, kind of cone looks like, shaped. Yeah, it kind of looks like like what a ghoul's penis would look like in in Fallout. Okay, I don't even want to think about how how long that took you. Where where were you? Where was your mind at? Um, I was just trying to. I was trying to, you know, get back the okay. get back with the fa- the phallic the fallout phallic reference. Wow. Okay. Well, you put some thought into that. Um. Really. <laughs> anyway, the uh, uh, the mushroom festival around here is actually like the the one big big thing that happens in this area. Happens right around uh, um, Mother's Day, and spend we spend a whole lot of fucking time, you know, just running around, you know, having fun around here. That's you know, it marks the uh, beginning of uh, marks the beginning of the usable time of spring, because the first part of spring up here sucks because uh, it's all mud. Um, would you say that that? Uh... There's a lot of mushrooms that you'd like to forage up there. There is a lot of mushrooms I would love to forage. If so I does could that get make my you hands a milf? on this mushroom, if I could get my hands on all the mushroom, does that make you a community community of milfs? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, it makes me. It makes this whole community a community of milfs. Thanks. Um. Dig back. Uh, <laughs> Digging deep. Yeah, you are. Uh, <laughs> you should feel bad. Uh, the <laughs> nope. So that's that's 
basically what's happening next week and probably the reason why I won't be on next week's show. But um, that being said, uh, did get us uh, get an opportunity to uh, play some Dark Tide like the good old days. Uh, with, we, uh, we advanced even to level three. So like we were still level 12 when we started mm-hmm. and we got in probably 10 or 12 games, didn't we? Yeah, so I'm like that. It was, it was a decent amount. Yeah, like now I to beat the weekly challenge, I had to do three games and leveled up to level twenty. Unfortunately, so I'm two levels ahead of you. But um, okay, we were he was doing Ogren Shield, and I was doing Psyker all over the place. Whatever, I'm just experimenting with a build. It's not like you can't respec basically between every run. Um. But yeah, we had a lot of fun. I was using the flamethrower build for a while. That was pretty fun. And yeah. then we we got that uh, level three run that had the like nonstop packs of hounds. Oh, that was fun. That we really had to kind of think about like what's the best way to do this. We were playing private games um, so that me and Rusty could farm Plasteel, which actually I think like two player private run is very feasible. I think until we get to like level th- level four, level five. Then maybe we can do a three-player private run with one bot and me, you, and Jason. Right. If we get one more person, hint, hint, message us on Twitter. Hint, right. hint. Um, we'd love to do some Dark Tide. Yeah, the Orgrim build is actually you know quite nice. I've I found my shotgun. Uh, that fucking you know burst shotgun that you you get as an Orgrim is it's damn sexy. Like it's a two-shot burst from the hip, uh, which is is great because it can reach out and touch some people from really far away. Um, but if you go and like aim down the sights, it goes it goes into uh, kind of like a stanced mode. It and it's a wide and flat shot. That's a three-shot burst that doesn't like go to you know it doesn't have like vertical recoil, uh, and it pierces. So you can so, cut down a lot of heads. Yeah. So if you can get if if you can get at the right level, you can take out an entire horde with like a couple shots of the wide shot there. And that is it's so nice. And then of it, course the uh the uh the shield is great for fucking like taking uh taking oncoming uh enemy fire. Because the Ogren can't really take uh you know take cover very well, so he carries his cover with him in the form of the fu- big ass fucking shield, and it can tank the uh, sniper shots easily. So I can just like point out the sniper, and uh, you know pop the shield down and just kind of like inch my way towards the sniper to keep his attention while everybody picks him off from afar. It's a uh, it's an effective strategy until we all get shot by fucking you know one fucking Rambo sniper at the you know at the very end of a goddamn match because that sniper headed in for all of us. Holy shit! Yeah, Ru- ruined the whole match. One sniper took down everybody. Yeah, I couldn't get Damn. a beat on him because well there was so much going on and I was trying to help people up and what I should have done is popped the sniper then helped everybody out but like he was just. One after another. I think it was like 15 seconds had the entire team down. One sniper. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Definitely took him out. 
fucking um yeah full metal jacket style um <laughs> yeah. yeah so it was it was it was great uh i had a lot of fun playing uh uh you know some dark tide finally i'd like to try some some other uh classes kinds of hero i don't know yeah go for it I'm, i don't be down I'm, i've got I'm, a level four veteran right now okay yeah that's i'll have to you know i have to play around because i've been thinking about doing the uh, uh the priest so for the yeah the cycle or oh, you mean the war priest yeah the the freaking berserker dude yeah i've got i've got him at level 30 um super fun it is a very visceral gameplay style um and you can do the uh the hammer has a charge attack that is amazing i love the freaking hammer so you you charge it rush and then heavy slam something or light slam depending on the move set of the hammer that you got and you just decimate shit cuz it does it's an instant crit if you do the dash so mm. if you're it could be a hit for like fucking 4000 like it just dings shit it's a uh, it's glorious yeah it sounds sounds like is uh as close to uh the uh, dwarf as as you can get for uh for uh dark tide yeah like a slayer yeah yeah that's that's what it is i think so the state of dark tide right now here's what i think it needs so Oof. there are some as far as optimization, it's never been better. It's running really smooth. Oh, it's um, smooth. Yeah, I think lock 60 FPS is the best way to do it. That's what we both did. Um, I get a little bit of frame buffering on my 4090 running it at 120 hertz. But something Rusty said when he's dicking with the settings is like, you could lock it at 60. And I was like, I probably can't tell hardly any difference between 60 and 120. I'm going to try that. The biggest firefights, zero issue, and it was running buttery smooth. Yeah, I was running the same thing. I've got the 3090. I was, you know, and I'm running at 1440p and the ultra wide monitor. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm looking at, you know, we're not typical, being able to easily. Like, we're not trying to big dick it. Like, this right. is a passion that we have. So we all have good cards. J Jason's got a 3080, you got a 3090, I got a 4090. Like, we all have good spec machines, but still, right. this before was not running good on good spec machines. We still had a lot of finagling to do to get it to run the way we wanted it to. Right. I had um, I had ray tracing on full DLSS on. Uh, I think it was uh, balanced and running at fourteen forty p lock. You know, lock sixty, and like even like. Ray tracing is almost absolutely, you know, is almost required for uh, uh, for that game, especially the dark zones. Yeah. Like me and Rusty had this thing where we had a, a a mission to get a bunch of scriptures, which meant that we all of the scripture missions and all the grimoire missions happen to be in a lights out, which means that the they're all restore power missions. So the whole level is dark. Besides your your baby, I call it your baby flashlight, so you can see like ten feet in front of you. And then if you've got a flashlight in your gun. So I was playing a weird psyker build where I was trying to pop heads to maintain extra damage while using a gun with a flashlight. So I was using like an auto las gun um, most of that time. 
or occasionally I'd use the uh, the force staff that has the death circles so that I could light up areas around to see where we were going. But the ambient light with the ray tracing in a dark environment does provide details that you wouldn't have without it. Um, and also, I don't know if it's a ray tracing feature or not, but just seeing all of the, uh, the not the scabs, but the, the little guys with their glowing eyes in the dark is pretty creepy and cool at the same time. Yeah. You start to see like the the, uh, the greenish yellow eyes in the background and it's like a fucking horde. Yeah. And then you mm. see a horde in the dark. Like I kind of wish that game had a pause so you could take some screenshots of some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, But what it really needs is so the Vermintide 2, you had different variants of each class of each character. Right. So there were three to start. So at the same amount of people to start like four. But then it also had three variants to start as well. So they need to do something like that because the respecs are not the same. It's just one class, right? Um, And I think they need to have more maps now. I think we're at a place where they've used the fuck out of those maps. Because there's like, what, maybe 10 maps that they route you through in different directions each time? Yeah. And, And then add, like, there's a lot of dynamic content that makes those maps pop in different ways depending on what you're doing in the run. But the assassination is like always on one of two maps. Like it doesn't matter. It's always on one of two maps. Um, you know, the power relay can be on a, a, a whole bunch of different maps, but like there's just, it does need some more maps. And they ought to do the fucking chaos. If they did chaos waste with this, mm-hmm. that would be amazing. They could get away with doing that as a holdover if they could figure out the magic that they did with that while they put together some more maps. Because at the end of the day, Vermintide had like 39 maps. Now, granted, that was like, what, three years after release? Right. That's what I was but, about to say. The Chaos the, Wastes were, were only really viable because there was so many different map t- uh, tile sets to work with. Um, you know, they were able to just basically, you know, tie them together and they tied them in well. Uh, well, and they used the different... The different um, uh, Warhammer gods or whatever, right? Like the Nurgle maps always had a theme that was applied to it. Or the Chaos gods would have a theme that kind of tied into it with different enemy types and different like color palettes and like texture add-ons that they would do. Um, I think it'll get there. I think right now it's a super strong mid game with it. You know, I say mid in the best of ways um, that has really good core gameplay, but it does need some more variety. Um but I'll happily play it as a go beat stuff up game any day of the week as long as I got a buddy. I don't like playing it by myself that much. Um, yeah, it's 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 just more fun to be like, well, look at what I just did, or just coordinating with somebody you know on you know you're like, hey, we can hug these like barricades on this corner. That's going to work really good with all of these hounds, so that we don't you know they can only attack one of us at a time doing that. So if they if they hit me, you could knock them off me, and vice versa. Um, and it just made for, it was a good strategy. And I, I don't know that I'd have been able to communicate that with a group of randos, you know? Right. Um, and it's... also just, you know, me and you at the end of the day being like, oh my God, we just did it. We just pulled this off, you know, just mm-hmm. having that, that feeling of try hard and succeed. Cause there were a lot of times where we did try hard and succeed, especially like, I think the biggest highlight of that is we were in that smelter. We had all of that fire going down, and there's like it. It just dropped like 400 enemies on us. Yeah. Um. And 
we're sitting there like fighting off this horde. And of course, I'm not a horde clearing character. I've got a chain sword, which is pretty good versus the horde. Um, a way a force push essentially, and then I think at that point I was rocking a gun. I don't think I was rocking any kind of uh, like crowd clearing staff abilities because it was really dark. And I remember you saying like we just kept getting bombed over and over and over again by grenadiers. And I was like, I'm going to hold on to this med kit. And you're like, just drop it right here. Just drop it right here. Mm -hmm. And like in the end, I think that strategy paid off because we healed just enough with that, even though we we're getting bombed to all hell, that I was able to get enough health to back out of the horde to find those grenadiers and pop them while you were just staving off the horde. Right. Um, and just all those or, like, or, or, yeah, just all those like highlight moments of stuff like that or me being able to communicate with you to you can train the horde. Well, I get to a vantage point so I can start popping off all the specials that are fucking up our day and let you just lawnmower downstairs, you know. Um, and horse clearing is always fun. <laughs> but Yeah, it's great. Anywho, um, Dark Tide is, is still pretty good. Um, I think either of us are willing to play it with anybody. Um, yes. Jason, are you allowed? Provided that I'm free. <laughs> What's up? Same, provided that I'm free. Yeah. Um, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Did you did you end up getting to play anything else, Jason? Nope. I got like two hours of cyberpunk in the last two weeks. I got three hours That's today. That's how crazy everything's been. Did you try out path tracing, Rusty? Um, I tried it. It's uh it's it's not Yeah, it's very experimental. <laughs> It I, got, I think it requires DLSS three. Yeah, I think that uh, I, when I turned it on, I had like twenty five frames per second. It was, uh, I mean, it worked, but it wasn't playable. <laughs> on a forty ninety um, without DLSS three, I can max out forty to forty to fifty frames per second with the uh, path tracing on. Like it bogs everything down. Then he, DLSS three does frame generation. So yeah, yeah. The only thing I really need for uh, uh, for Cyberpunk as far as uh, ray tracing is uh, ray tracing reflections and uh, ray tracing uh, light, because uh, everything else is so so goddamn good. Like it was, it was super butter smooth. Like I had still had the same settings that I had played it for, you know, played it on, uh, you know, originally, and I was maxed out. Like it was easily maxed out. So like, okay, since you know, since I had played it, basically on release, uh, it had obviously gotten a lot of uh, a lot of optimization. A lot of a lot of that stuff was tweaked a bit. So. I said, you know what? Let's see how far I can push it, and I turned it on to. Uh, I turned it up to stupid, and quickly realized that my uh, my my thirty ninety was planning suicide. Uh, so I decided to turn it back. Like I could hear it whine. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a Zotac, so it definitely has the uh, it it definitely groans when you put it under uh, under stress. Um, but I, uh, I turned it back down to, uh, about, uh, ray tracing high, uh, and turned off some of the extra, you know, uh, extra shit that I don't normally use. 
Uh, and, you know, again, it's hovering somewhere between 60 and 70. Very playable and looks great. Uh, so I didn't get very far in the story because I was messing around with uh, graphic settings, but um, it's it, it's it's good. And I think it might be something that I'll be playing you know, in, in the interim here, I'm waiting for uh, uh, a few of the games that came out recently to uh, unfuck themselves so that I can play them. I can speak about unfucking themselves. Yes. So Jedi Survivor, there's yeah. something fundamentally broken about it on PC. I am not having the best experience on it, and I am playing with graphic settings and not getting any kind of reprieve, even playing with graphic settings. I can't get my GPU to use more than 27% of itself. Um, I can't get my CPUs to fire up higher than like 25%. Um, like, and it's not GPU or CPU bound, but it either runs at 90 FPS or it runs at like five. And it rubber bands all over the place, even with its shader caching, et cetera. And it's just not, I've gotten through a decent amount. The game goes hard. If I could get it to play, I think it's going to be great. It's just not playing right now. Um, right. I, I I also had, I got uh, Redfall with my graphics card, and it's also on Game Pass. Um, and I loaded that up and just, I'm, I started playing it, and while I'm playing it, I'm watching, I want to give a shout out to ACG reviews, like, ACG has a very similar sense of what we like to play and very mm -hmm. similar opinions to us. And say if there's a YouTuber that mirrors us in opinion of things fairly closely, and I, you know, it's not, it's 100% by accident, it's, it's ACG. Um, the weirdest thing was, is the setup for the game, like it's running decent on my machine. Granted, like I said, I, I'm going over kill settings, but the like as much as I tried to crank up the sensitivity on the controller, because I was trying to play it, you know, it's a console game that's on a PC, right? It's designed for a controller. Um, it doesn't matter if I aim down sights or just shoot from the hip. Like, it seemed like I got pretty close to the same hit location. So, it like, the, the gunplay is kind of weird, right? At the beginning of the game, like, there was no strategy to me killing the vampire aside from having to stake it. So I just, I found a pump shotgun, pumped it full of lead, went up to it, clicked right stick and stabbed. Um, I still hadn't gotten the dodge down quite right, but like it wasn't too much for me to just, you know, aim, shoot, aim, shoot, aim, shoot. And of course I wasn't even using the aim button. I was just firing from the hip. And I don't know if that changes the spread on the shotgun or not, but it didn't really matter. So... That's what it did. Um, and then I realized it was a go out and collect little items for people kind of thing. Mission after that, I wasn't feeling it. I was about halfway through the ACG review. Noticed that a lot of people were complaining there wasn't a lot to do in the game. That was kind of an empty game. And the AI was kind of fucked right now. And then I started looking at the Metacritic score. And Metacritic score isn't always everything. Because as you know, we all like Dark Tide. And Dark Tide has not been reviewed great. Um, mm -hmm. it released to some pretty bad performance issues initially and then got better. And then everybody's mad that it's not Vermintide 2. So right. we like it for what it is. Um, it is not Vermintide 2. Vermintide 2 needed some time in the oven too. But, um, 
anyways, long story short, I didn't feel like wasting my time or my hard drive space on it, so I put it in the play later, and I'm just going to watch a couple of reviewers that review games later on. Could have a good redemption arc later on. Um, I read an article on, I think it was PC Gamer a few days ago, saying the player count was the same as Borderlands 2 at around 1,500 people this last weekend. Uh, this weekend, rather. Um, which is exceptionally low for a game right. that's just released. Um, Damn. For Borderlands 2? Borderlands 2, a game that's like, what, 10 or 11 years old? Wow. So, yeah. Uh, Red I mean, Falls, it got shit on <laughs> You know, I know some people are bandwagoning and jumping on it, but like legitimately it felt fairly empty and again, trusting, I got to choose where I want to use my time right now, right? And especially Mm -hmm. over the last weekend, I was like, and then this week it popped out and then I started playing it and I was like, why am I wasting my time? I've got some other things I want to play. So two quick reviews so far, Um, played some more War Tales. I was playing that while me and you were chatting the other night. Um, on my third iteration of a run, I'm running it on experienced. Um, after I got through the first act on that game, I get to summarize War Tales. War Tales is where you take a band of people, of characters you create. So you create your own party in a fantasy setting for turn-based battles and survival. And you, um, essentially do, it's like a D&D campaign, a lot like a D&D campaign. You start off close to a village, you go to village, talk to bartender, Bartender gives you some uh, bartender. There's a tavern master or something like that. Anyways, quest giver that gives you some random quests that are set to that region that you go and you kill other people, essentially, or capture or whatever, um, which gives you experience and money to upgrade your gear to get better. And then once you have a little bit of reputation, you go to a specific person that's the informant in the end. The informant gives you about four to six quests that are central to the story of that region. And then you go do those quests, which are a lot more thought out than the uh, go kill things quests, um, which requires you to make some, you know, some RPG decisions. Um, And in the interim, you know, you gather resources as you're traveling around. It's got a big overworld map thing. Travel around the map gathering mushrooms or killing hogs in battles to get meat or um, bears or whatever. And you use those resources as food because your company has to use those food. And you rest every time your troop gets tired, which replenishes some of your action points. You have a shared action point pool across all of your characters. So I would say don't get your party too large or you're only going to get to use so many actions. Um, And then it's a turn-based battler, kind of like an XCOM, but you don't have cover um, or percent to hit. You're just trying to get good angles on things to, like you get a bonus if you flank, you get a bonus for backstab, right? Um, so it's good. My my party basically has a main tank, which in this game right now, Rusty, you're the tank. Um, Jason, Jason is the two-handed swordsman, and my guy is the javelin dude. Uh, I've got him sparked, spacked into harpoon master or something like that, and so I can throw my spear through multiple characters and cause bleed. Um, or I can put him defensive mode, and then he hits anybody that hits you. So if like if I get buddy-buddy with your character and park him next to you, Every time you take a hit, my guy, if I'm in range, hits him with my spear. Um, But it's a tactical game. Um, I ran into a little bit of a lull in Chapter 2 where I realized I'm really having to think hard about the fights I'm taking on because everything is hitting so much harder than me right now. So I had a bit of a gear deficiency. So, like, right now, it's a 
very strong mid-tier RPG. We're not talking like Witcher good or Pillars of Eternity good, but mm. it's actually the the bones of it are really good. Um, it's a little bit rough around the edges, but it's it's a pretty darn good game. That's pretty hard. So like it's a super strong like three nine or something like that. If I was to put a score out of five, you know, I guess that's a seventy eight. If I was going to do a Metacritic, and we'll see as I play more. But I once I get in a good groove of that game, I can't put it down. Um, as me staying up till two a.m. two nights in a row proves. Um, the other game I decided I was going to go ahead and throw some bones down on was Dead Island Two. Um. It's had some different reviews, right? Some people saying it's more of Dead Island 1 and some people saying it's like the best game ever. And then some people just saying it's a really strong mid-tier game. Um, some people not liking the characters or some of the stories. Um, you know what it does do that not a lot of people have mentioned so far? It fucking runs. It runs <laughs> exceptionally good. It doesn't run like Last of Us does, which I've kind of got on the back burner for a second, or like Jedi Survivor, which I also have on the back burner for a second, or like Redfall. It just fucking runs, and it screams. <laughs> it perfect 120 FPS locked all the time at 4K. It just works. <laughs> it, it works perfectly. It doesn't matter how many things are on screen or how much effects are going on. Just fucking screams. Um <laughs> It has some something cool. to be said there. Yeah, yeah, and and it's the core of that game is beating the shit out of zombies, and I love beating the shit out of zombies in games. And it has something I think is new because I haven't played Dead Island in quite some time. You uh, tap the left bumper right before you get hit, and it does a stun state on the zombie, and then you click whatever button it wants you to click, and that's a follow up attack that's usually really brutal. So, like, I had a golf club that I had modded with all of these, like, studs on the end of it. And so my stun attack for that was to do, like, a essentially an uppercut cut with the club. And it knocks them, like, lifts them off their feet. Um, and it just, like, unhinges jaws. I've got some, like, Wolverine claws that I have. And what I do is grab the zombie by the throat and take the claws and push it through the side of their head. Like, Jeez. twice. And you, brains shoot out the side. It's got an extremely detailed gore system where it's funny, too. Like, you'll be fighting these big guys and you'll break their arms. and Their arms just kind of rub, like just like a like a rubber snake once you hit them in the elbow too many times. Right. Or you'll be fighting something. You got like a machete and you'll take that machete and cut off something's leg. And, that, and now you got a crawler. Um but, like, the detail of the gore is intense. It's the most intense gore that I've ever seen in a video game. Like, watching, you know, I had this biter, this biter, they're all biters, um, like a a specialized zombie, and then I did that uppercut with a club and pulled its whole bottom jaw off. Um, And it was still coming after me because it was like a semi-special one, but it was just ridiculous. Um, It does encourage you to maim so, like, zombies hit hard in this game, like, exceptionally hard. You could be one, you versus zombie, and a single zombie could take you from full health to zero in about 10 seconds if you don't watch yourself. And so it relies on, I could call them superpowers is what I would say, right? So, like, my character can roar, which is kind of funny, right? <laughs> but it stuns everything around me. Um, if I do a perfect block and a parry, 
I stun everything around me for like two or three seconds, um, which gives me time to get off my special attack. And then um, I've got a double jump kick and then a karate jump kick, like a like a like the crane basically. So I can kind of switch those moves out. So I can do like a karate kick, which will like stagger them, or I can jump up in the air and do a double f- foot drop kick and just send something like careening over the hills. This is the same as, you know, Dying Light's jump kick. It's really satisfying. Right. But um, it's super good when you've got it, – it encourages elemental stuff, right? So, like, you'll just see jugs of gasoline all over the place, right? And then you see a crowd of zombies. Like, hmm, take the jug mm. of gasoline and chuck it, and then it just creates this, like, fire line that goes down to it. And then I take my, I've got a, a rake that's on fire, which is one of my weapons that I like a lot. It's like one of those rakes you use to like till up the ground. I'll take that and swat the ground where that fire is, where the original pool of gasoline was, and watch the fire go down over there and then blow up the gas can and then blow up the, the group and then just watch guts go all over the place. And it's just, it's the, con, the, you know, there'll be like a sparking wire. You'll see some, wa- you'll see some water jugs. Like, I, I could do something with this, right? So use my electric weapon. The electric weapon also lights fire, too. But you use that electric to, like, hit the water and then send sparks into this whole train of zombies. Um, So, like, you're an elementalist with the game, which is kind of weird. Um, you take car batteries and chuck it at things, and the car battery kind of explodes and shocks everything in a perimeter around it. Um, the original Dead Island have a lot of elemental damage that was like on the weapon. A surprise! It was on the weapon itself, right? So this this also has that, but you can swap out the mods for different things. You can do sharp for bleed damage. Bleed seems weird, but it works really good on the newly infected. Um, it doesn't do anything to the old groaners, right? The ones that have been dead a while. Um, you can use sharp damage, which you use to dismember. And then dismembering is like it encourages you to kind of like do like dead space, right? Dead space, you just dismember things a lot. Um, right. You do something similar, right? You got a big crowd, use a big sword essentially, right? You can cut off the legs of like two or three of them at a time with a couple of swipes. And now you got an army of crawlers in front of you, which is also slowing down the people behind them too. Um, so there's, they're, you know, they're not particularly smart. So you could. Get yourself in a position where, you know, you could lead them to an elemental damage place. Like there was this whole thing where I saw sprinklers and then I saw a generator. So I went and I turned on the generator, which turned them into electric sprinklers. And you can Mm -hmm. say in your mic, come over here. And then the game recognizes that as a command. And the zombie will kind of perk its ears up and turn around and start shambling your way. And then you could take your ninja stars, which is something I have. Throw it a couple of more and pull them into the, <laughs> um, the uh, electric sprinklers, which then just starts decimating them, and then of course the rest of them start to follow. So the microphone actually listens. Okay, yeah, you can do it with Alexa too. Oh my god, um, it's crazy. Um, you know, okay. It's like, so like those little things are kind of fun. The core gameplay loop is just go point to point to figure out the mystery, and then go. It's not open world, but it's like open section. You got this huge section that opens up, huge, a, a fairly decently sized map, right? And then you go through there, and you can a lot of optional things to do are unlocks essentially for different weapons and side quests as well as main quests. 
Um, and your character has, instead of abilities, like they have cards, which are different variants of different abilities, so to speak. Um, so far, it's fun. I, I like it. It's been pretty creepy at times. Other, it just it works exceptionally well. The physics work really good. Um, the graphics are pretty good, right? They're super clean. Not super high detail, but like the reflections, I think, are like painted on because you can shine a light on it, but you can't see your character at all. Um, you know, and it reflects the room sometimes at odd shapes. Like it's just a different angle of a flat image, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. But everything else just works and everything else is very clean. Everything else just, you know, it makes fun of streamers in Hollywood a lot, right? Like there's a whole bunch, there's a whole section of me like kicking zombies off a roof for a streamer. And then she asked me, like, she's on a roof, like recording, right? Trying to get saved. And she's giving me a side quest of like, kick six zombies off the roof. And then I want you to maim like 12 of them, right? All right. And now it gets even crazier. I've got, I need you to light so many on fire. Now you've got some special ones, special ones in here as well. On top of that, uh, that you got to deal with while you're messing with all of this stuff. And of course, I'm over here. I'm on a roof that's got like skylights. So I broke skylights out to give myself some room, so that some things would just kind of fall through the through the ceiling into the bottom floor and then work their way back up. But kind of had this whole tower defense thing going on as I was messing with it. I don't know. It there's. It does one thing. You kill zombies in creative and fun ways, and it does really good at that. And that's all it is. It does not take itself very seriously, and that's fine with me. Um, okay. I mean, if they just if it's your, wish it wasn't zombies. Yeah, if that's... Well, I mean, they tried to do it with vampires, but they didn't end up doing so hot, so... Yeah, that's true. That's Anywho. But really, what are vampires but zombies that just Smart. are sparkly? Um. <laughs> Anywho... <laughs> We've rambled for like an hour and a half, haven't we? Yeah. Should we take yeah. a break? Yeah, we should take a break. Yeah, I think it's time. We'll be back. And we're back. Oh Woo. my god! Oh, oh my god! We, uh, I think we can all chime in on this. We've been all talking about Redfall on the break. Uh, um, Rusty, you had a story about that. And I have a follow up to that. Uh, what was that that you had seen on the rumor for Redfall? The oh, uh, the rumor uh, is that um, Microsoft reportedly knew uh, that it was going to be a fucking disaster. Um, it's, there's a report that I'm seeing on Twisted Voxel. It's kind of makes sense. Uh, if you think about it, like if, if you think about when, um, when you first saw the Redfall trailer that, that looked really good and I'm like, oh, that's what put me, you know, made me put it on the, you know, on the wish list to watch it. Right. After that, not a goddamn thing. I feel like, I feel like it just kind of came out with a fart. It it just really, um, it just kind of snuck out. Yeah, it's it, it was a day one Game Pass thing, but there's also a lot of really good games that come out day one Game Pass as well. Um, but the uh, the the rumor right now is uh, 
guy named Jeff Grubb who's uh who had a you know is known for his connections uh I've said that, that somebody in um Microsoft had told him that it was going to be a disaster. And uh <laughs> they weren't wrong. <laughs> well, and Microsoft's been in a weird spot, right? Like you've had been reading a lot of stuff or this week and then kind of skimming just to kind of get my timelines right. Um, in the last, since we've got the Series S, right, we haven't had the blockbuster releases that it needed, right? So you have a slew of indie games that are pretty good that have come out on Game Pass, but not a whole lot of AAAs. Like Halo Infinite had a decent launch with not a lot of multiplayer content at release, which is sad for them, right? You had mm-hmm. Pentiment, which we didn't really play, but it was genuinely well-received, but was an indie game. The same time you have, like, Spider-Man that was released after this was launched. You had, with Miles Morales, it seemed to do pretty good. You had Ragnarok that released, right? Re- huge commercial success. Um, and then you had, for Microsoft, they, didn't, they still haven't had any exclusives, right? Like, we're miles away from having a... Um, Hellblade 2, like we still haven't heard a release date for that. Um, Starfield got pushed back a whole year, essentially, right? Or almost right. a whole year um, to get it right, which I hope they do. Like Bethesda does not have a track record of getting it right at launch, but we'll see. Like, maybe this is why they were like, uh, we can't fuck this up now that we're part of the Microsoft group and we're now a Microsoft exclusive at this point until later times. Got to get it right. So... Then you have Redfall that releases, and Redfall doesn't, right? You had Wolong, which was not an exclusive, but it was on Game Pass that didn't run quite right at launch. I think it's been fixed. There's a decent amount of people playing it right now. I think they've shipped like 3 million units, but it's not an exclusive. Um, you had Atomic Heart, which wasn't an exclusive, that had a lot of controversy, but was, at least by my standards, I played it, had a lot of fun with it. Um, not a Halo, but like a great double A game. Um, so you know, like they just don't have. They need to get it right with Starfield. They need a win, and that's going to be after the summer if they get that win, right? So they need something for to hold on to Game Pass right now. There's just not enough great stuff on Game Pass. Where if you are struggling with money and you're using this as your game subscription service, like it's not worth it to play ten dollars a month for Stardew Valley. Um, no. Right. There's some there's some decent games still on there and of course you'll you have access to some games that you may have missed like it's it's a good backlog option. Yeah. And you know yeah, like so produce it's, is on it's there. not a you know it's not a terrible uh, uh terrible value for uh for what you're getting. It's just that if you're looking for the newest or latest and greatest it's probably not the place for it. You know you're looking for um you're you're looking at the uh, the Steam charts or fucking Epic Game Store or something like that where you can find those exclusives. Uh, or if you're uh, you know, if you're into the consoles, you you want to uh, you're going to probably want to check out PS5, which of course fucking PlayStation's have been killing it. I mean, Microsoft on the on the console side has really kind of you know dropped the ball there. Um, it's a similar conversation that I had with a friend of mine who's also, you know, he's a Game Pass subscriber, has mm-hmm. some limited funds. He was helping me mow my lawn because I got my uh, tattoo. He was talking about that. He's like, you know, I don't have, I, I'm in a position where I can play games fairly quick. And there's just not enough for me to play right now. 
Um, and he's, you know, he's a little bit older than me. He's about 10 years older than me, but he does play a lot of video games. And uh, that's what he was telling me. He's like, yeah, I just beat everything. And there's just not a lot new out there right now. So he's like going back through Cyberpunk because I was telling him that like, you know, it's it's actually good now. It'll play. Um, he's like, yeah, I know I've played like Grand Theft Auto 5 like 6 million times at this point. I need something new. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I can see the frustration kind of running in there. We've been pretty big advocates for Game Pass for a while. They Microsoft needs some wins. They need a slew of wins right now. Right. Oh, they definitely lost the console war. So, I mean, that's another thing that I I noticed over the last uh, last day or two. This is a uh, uh, a couple comments from Phil Spencer that you know basically had conceded that the the uh, that Microsoft century and then you know in the latest console generation has been. Uh, less successful than the ps5 or even the switch which is actually kind of crazy um but makes total sense like when i was looking at this console generation i looked at what is microsoft going to offer me over what you know what sony's going to offer me in the playstation 5 and i knew almost going into it that it was going to be a better uh better purchase for me to pick up a playstation uh, than it would be for uh, for the um, Series X because Game Pass exists, and if I wanted to play a game that's you know that's coming out on Xbox, it's most likely going to be either available online, you know, on PC, or it's going to be available on Game Pass. Right. So it's I think they may have shot themselves in the foot with Game Pass a little bit. But I also think that, just like you said, they need to have a good, uh, good IP that is a win for them, and Starfield needs to be that win. You know, well, and they know, bought a bunch of studios thing. like five years ago, and you know, game development takes a long time. So, like, they're it's almost like they're developing against the clock at this point. But then they also know that they can't push it too fast, otherwise they're not going to have the games they need. And so they're just running into a weird spot right now. Where I think that Phil's taking the right approach. Where he's looking for some pain in the in you know maybe this year, um, while he gets starts to ship some games that are better, I hope, right? Well, it's it's also possible that with all of the shit that Microsoft's been trying to do on their business end, as far as acquiring oh, the these studios and you know and integrating them into the fold, that things you know that the quality of games that's coming out, like what we're seeing with Redfall um is is fallen by the wayside like if somebody was actually over uh, overseeing you know the development of redfall see the that it was actually in a state that was less than great um i mean well I'm also always... a tricky situation because you think about it pretty much all of these studios they bought like with exception of bethesda they bought pre-pandemic like right before the pandemic started right yeah but this is arcane they've had their hands on that for a while and a lot of a lot of developments got really hampered and i think screwed up by the pandemic. and that's and that's fine but i'm also i'm i'm at a point now where i'm uh where i want to uh stop using the pandemic as an excuse um yeah it was rough uh, I'm I'm sure that you know that by now we have you know a lot of companies have bounced back from 
know, from that, at least to get to a, uh, a state of status quo. And yeah, it's going to hamper projects that were in the pipe. But I mean, when it comes down to it, if you're looking at looking at it from a business standpoint, Microsoft could, you know, could see, you know, a month, two months back, you know, that this game is not working. It's not in a state that they, you know, that would be considered, you know, good enough. Uh, and I've always, you know, said if it needs time in the cooker, just tell us it needs time in the cooker and be upfront and, you know, uh, upfront and honest. Yeah. Delays suck, but like, you know, like you said, over the last three years, we've kind of got used to it. Uh, so Redfall could have actually come out in a much better state if somebody at Microsoft had, you know, had, you know, put their foot down and said, Hey, this needs to, you know, this needs to be fixed, you know, put it in the oven for another three months. You've got another three months to fix these problems before it comes out. Otherwise it's going to be a commercial failure. And I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's not going to be a game pass driver of sales. If, uh, the concurrent player count is less than a game that's, you know, that's been out for 10 years. I mean, there's a big problem there. That's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of development money that's just wasted on a bad first impression. And you only get one first impression, especially with games. I mean, you know, fighting the fucking, um, uh, you know, fighting yourself back up from a bad Metacritic score or, having to fight through the initial wave of bad reviews is something that only a few games have successfully done. Everything else has been kind of doomed to failure if that if it doesn't get a a good first showing. Like you have to have a lot of goodwill behind, you know, behind a game uh for it to actually, you know, succeed at that point. And I can count basically off the top of my head, just a handful that's actually ever done that. You know, so I don't know. It's, it's one of those, uh, those situations where I think maybe Microsoft is biting off way more than it can, than it can chew. And it needs to like go back and focus on gameplay. It needs to uh, focus on innovation with the IPs that it has instead of trying to buy up literally everybody else. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, you know, get back to what they're good at. And that is to, you know, and, and that is producing quality, you know, uh, games and putting them out on, you know, on good quality hardware. You know, there's no reason why uh, the uh, Series X, you know, needed to, you know, to basically lose this, you know, this console generation. It could have uh, it could have held its own. It just didn't have any games to back it up. Well, to give you a little bit of better news um, as far as sales go, um, War Tales, that little indie game I was talking about, has already shipped six hundred thousand units and set up about a week and a, a couple weeks worth of release. Damn. I mean, so that tells you anything. It's a simple game with some cool systems. Apparently that people like a little bit of uh, turn-based gameplay along with uh, kind of a choose-your-own-adventure approach seems to work. Again, I'm going to say it's not an easy game. Um, it seems easy. 
initially, but yeah, uh, two weeks out, it's already shipped 600,000 units. And something that is super exciting, which I am going to be playing tomorrow after lunchtime, Darkest Dungeon 2 officially launches 1.0, and it is releasing on Steam. Uh, apparently, it had already pushed 300,000 units on Epic Game Store um, with just the, the um, what do you call it, early access. Um, funny story about that that I won't dive in too long. Um, I did not get that game, and then there was a point where I needed some help when I was getting my house refinanced um, about a year and a half ago where Jason's wife came over here and cleaned till literally 3 a.m. And while she was here, um, I stayed up the whole time because she was working really hard and uh, talked with her, and I beat three runs of early access um, Darkest Dungeon. It was great at that point. Um, I'm going to play it completely from scratch again now that I kind of remember something just clicking and then I kind of got how that game flow goes. It's a much faster game play, play, play pace than the original Darkest Dungeon. You basically go through five levels before you get to the end boss. And then I got to a point where I could reliably beat the end boss based on the starter stuff. But I think there's 12 characters now releasing a new character along with this. Now there's new biomes and stuff like that, new paths to take with your characters to create different endings. So it's a faster paced game than Darkest Dungeon One. You're basically like Oregon Trail from behind. You're in a you're in a carriage and going forward, and then you make little pit stops and do battles and make decisions, etc. Um, super cool game. I'm super excited about it coming out in fourteen hours. <laughs> so, nice. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep an eye on it. I wasn't a biggest fan of Darkest Dungeon, but uh, I never beat one um, because it's so hard. I know Jason, you've put an insane amount of hours into it as well. Yep. Um, it it's a faster loop. I think a full run through a whole game can take you about three hours. Hmm, okay. So, yeah. and then you get a, a whole bunch of unlocks at the end. Uh, you get unlocks regardless if you beat it or not. So, um, and every run seemed pretty different. And that was in an early access state. Like it was super good in an early access state. So that was over a year ago. Um, that would have been a year, like 18 months ago when I played it. So can't wait to see what the new version of this is. I'll be diving in tomorrow. But I think I'm out of news. Um, Jason, do you got anything? Uh, the only thing I really got uh, was back on the subject of Game Pass. Uh, they just introduced a new feature this week, uh, as of May 2nd, that allows existing Game pa PC Game Pass members and Game Pass Ultimate subscribers to share 14-day trials with up to five friends. So, uh, this is the new program replacing the uh, PC Game Pass for $1 for the first month trial. Ah. Uh, trying okay. to trying to increase their uh, uh, subscribership. I wonder if they're trying to... Uh, yeah, I guess that, that would be... That'd be an interesting way of doing it. Um, I think it's clunky, uh, to be honest. Like, if you're going to... If you want to get people to actually uh, to subscribe in... Uh, and get into the model, uh, asking your existing 
uh, customers to, uh, you know, to generate a code and then give it to a friend. And then that friend gets to use it for 14 days. And of course, you probably need to add a credit card at that time. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a little clunky. silly. Yeah, it's a little clunky. Um, whereas, you know, when we were kind of, when we were talking about it, it's like, oh yeah, you know, Game Pass is like a buck. You know, oh okay, cool. And I already have to, you know, put my credit card in to pay that dollar. Oh, they've got my credit card information. That's great. I guess I'll just keep this. And that's just the way that my Game Pass experience has been since I, you know, started subscribing. Is that I started with that dollar, and that was it. You know, oh, it's going to charge me. You know, what is it? Fucking nine ninety nine a month, or you know, whatever. Right. Whatever. You well, know, I just I'm, did the PC version because I don't even my console isn't even plugged in now. Right, and that's that's where I'm at, kind of. So it's it's just like okay, cool. So these this is a different marketing strategy, and I don't necessarily think it's the best way of going about it. But I mean, uh, then again, what the fuck do I know? I'm just an IT nerd. There's people who do marketing for a living. That's like, yo, this is a really great idea. <laughs> so, right. Uh, <laughs> oh, and uh, early access is earlier than we thought for Diablo Four. Um, that's going to be in a month. If you yeah. buy, if you pre-order it, you can start playing here in a month. Okay. Well, I have to think about it. Like again, I still have to re- remember how to uh, to log into my Blizzard account or my my Battle.net account. I'm sure you have to buy you know, buy it there. Yeah. You um, do. Yeah, so I'm I have to like unlock that account and I don't even know if I've got access to the you know to the uh, uh to the email that it was tied to. That's that's how old that that account is anymore. Uh so that'll be an interesting and fun experience. Um yeah. And the last fucking thing that I can think of here is uh uh Starfield gets an e- uh, ESRB rating. So at least we know what it's going to be. What do you think it's going to be? Uh, M. M for mature, man. Why? Because it fe- features violence and drugs, but you wouldn't expect anything less from a fucking Bethesda game. Um, nope. No, but there was made up drugs too, though, so it's like whatever. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you could fuck blue chicks in, you know, in, in, in previous games of theirs, so there's that, right? So if you fuck the wrong one, she kills you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So there's that. That's all I've got for this week. That's your cue. All right, then. Well, <laughs> uh, you guys can find us at tiltcast.com. Find us on Facebook and twitter.com slash tiltcast. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash the real tiltcast and search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find some friends of the show. You've got For the Love of Gaming. You've got NoQuarters.net, you've got BMFCast.com, and TBGP.TV. They also like Diablo. And with that, it's the end of the show. All right. Peace. Peace.